Money FM 89.3. Best of the evening runway. Market View on Money FM 89.3. You're listening to Money FM 89.3, and it's now time for Market View, where we take a look at how the Singapore stock market is likely to close for the day, the biggest movers, sectors, and companies to watch. But as always, a quick recap of how we started. Well, Singapore shares opened weaker today, following overnight losses on global markets. In early trade, the Straits Times Index was down 0.2% to 3,079 points after some 50 million securities changed hands in the broader market. Now, the closing numbers are still firming up, but here's what I have on my screen. The STI currently down 0.6% at 3,067 points. In terms of value turnover, that's 840 million Sing dollars. Gainers trailed losers 244 versus 335. Top five movers by value we have here DBS, UOB, OCBC, Singtel, and SIA. And heavily traded securities for the day, Citrium, Thai Beverage, and Gunting. Singapore. Now, in terms of companies to watch, we do have Semco Industries. The energy group yesterday announced uh, two separate agreements to acquire wind assets in China and India for a total consideration of $200 million. Now, elsewhere from more on the banking sector in Singapore and sets following notice of three straight years of losses, more corporate headlines in focus today. And also on the table, economic data points to watch out for in the US this week, including the latest PCE price index numbers. And joining me on the line is Jeremy Tan, CEO of Tiger Fund Management. Jeremy, welcome. Hi, Tian Tian. Hey, Jeremy, let's start with the usuals. How did the SDI fare so far today and any surprises when it comes to the banking sector? And I'm asking this because we've got news that UOB, OCBC and DBS, their customers can lock up funds in bank accounts starting this week to block money from any digital transactions. Will that have any bearing on the sector? Well, Jensen, um, if you look at the STI today, it's actually down by about 0.6% to mm. 3,067 points. This is actually following weakness in the U.S. markets, as we've seen last night. The S&P 500 is actually down by 0.2%. This is after a very strong November month. We have seen a very sharp four-week rally that we have not seen uh, in, the prior, in the prior month. So I think that actually was actually attributed from the Treasury use actually falling from 5% to 4.4%, given that the Powell has actually signaled for a a pause in rate hike in November. I think right now the market after the very strong rally is consolidating. I think despite the U.S. consumer spending number that came in quite strongly for Black Friday, I think there's uh, less reason for the uh, U.S. to actually um, cut rates uh, earlier than expectations. What we have seen um, in the banking sector in Singapore, Mm -hmm. I think, doesn't come as a surprise. I think amid the rising scam incidents that we have seen in Singapore, that amounted to about $330 in the first half of the year, I think we can continue to see uh, more policy, uh, you know, from coming out from MAS, especially, uh, you know, the last few months. We have also seen IT failures that happened over the last few months, uh, actually resulting in one Singapore bank, um, you know, having their non-essential IT service being stopped to restore their uh, resilience in their banking services. So I think the regulators are definitely quite concerned in providing the uh, customers with additional optionality to actually protect um, their, you know, their online or digital transactions going forward. 
And don't mind me asking this, right? When you look at customers locking up funds in their bank accounts and only able to withdraw it, perhaps uh, physically, would that have any bearing on banks in terms of, you know, people putting more money in the banks as a result, uh, purely because of the design of how this works? Oh, I think um, this would be definitely positive for both consumers and also banks because uh, with the consumers, I think having that added security will allow you know um, perhaps more uh, deposits that will actually flow through some of these banks that have this optionality of uh, not having their deposits uh, withdrawn digitally. Mm. And also for banks as well, I think this would be also a positive in the sense that there will be more funds uh, in the CASA, will be locked up, um, and they will not be withdrawn uh, that much uh, easier compared to uh, being in a, a withdrawable account. Mm, kind of like a win-win solution for both parties. And Jeremy, let's take a look at some other companies to watch. Uh, we have Semco Industries announcing two separate agreements to acquire wind assets in China and India. Also in focus, coffee shop operator Kim Lee's earnings and uh, as well sets registering three straight years of losses. Now, which of these really stood out to you this time round? I think what really stood out for me uh, with regards to these three companies is actually Samcorp Industries. I think with its uh, recent acquisition of uh, this 428 megawatt assets, I think it's really um, doing its part to in terms of its ESG push uh, towards a more sustainable transition to its business model. I think um, previously has announced the transition from brown to green energy to increase the overall sustainability mm. uh, towards more low-carbon energy alternatives. So by 2025, uh, SCI actually targets 10 gigawatts uh, of uh, renewable capacity. And going forward, uh, on the longer term, in 2028, 25 gigawatts. And so with this acquisition, I think it's uh, on track to meet its, its 2025 targets and also to half its carbon emissions by 2025. I think this is uh, likely the next phase of growth of Semcon industry uh, with its commitment to the ESG push. And I think that this is also bearing fruit for the shareholders with the Semcon industry share price uh, actually up 50% year to date. So that actually uh, outperformed the benchmark STI index by a great uh, magnitude. So I think this is also a sign that the investors uh, across the world, whether it's retail or institutional investors, are actually focusing their emphasis more onto this ESG thematic stocks. Mm, right. And across the region, Jeremy, China's central bank has pledged that it will press banks to lower their real lending rates amid concerns that deflation has effectively pushed up borrowing costs in price-adjusted terms. Question, though, is uh, how far do you think this move will backfire given that uh, banks themselves, they're already dealing with bad loans, low net interest margins at this moment in time? Sure, I think that is a very good question. Looking at the overall deflationary conditions in China, I think over the last few months, we have actually seen CPI and PPI coming off. I think uh, going uh, by the route of PBOC lowering nominal rates alone without taking taking into consideration that uh, the deflationary impacts, I think that also overall increases the overall real, rendi- uh, real lending rate uh, with the deflationary conditions. So what we have seen over the last few years, I think there hasn't been enough 
also by the PBOC with, uh, you know, in August, they only cut the one-year loan prime rate by about 10 basis points from mm. 3.55% to 3.45%. However, I think the overall confidence to borrow, I think, is still quite low as a result of this real interest rate still being quite high mm. due to the poor uh, sentiment in China with the overall uh, property and unemployment issues that are still plaguing the country. So I think that going forward, I think there's a lot to, more to be done to boost the overall demand growth as well. Um, I think what we have seen this month, uh, I, I mean over the last few weeks or so, that the PBOC is also right now trying to draft a white lease to actually allow 50 developers to actually borrow from banks uh, yes. based on an unsecured loan basis. Yeah. I think this doesn't uh, actually come at an opportune time. I think the overall sector for bad, uh, the banking sector is still plagued with bad loans and low interest margin. I think with, with this whitelist and this uh, unsecured loans, that will actually increase the overall bad debt provision for banks uh, going forward in the coming year in 2024. Hmm. And further away, Jeremy, investors keeping their eyes peeled on several economic data points. We have the PC price index, also indicators relating to consumer confidence and GDP. Broadly speaking, what are you expecting? Well, I think overall the numbers are actually coming in quite mixed. But overall, we think that the US is still on track for soft lending scenario. What we have seen is that the PC inflation could still continue to come off uh, to about 3.5% year-on-year from 3.7% in the prior month. I think we will actually start to see the monetary policy impact that actually started all the way from 2022 with the rate hikes starting to work its way into the overall uh, macroeconomic environment. We have already seen the inflation starting to um, dial back a little bit. And mm. going forward, some of the sticky components of inflation with regards to wage growth and housing inflation should also start to slow down. And going forward, I think we could also see the fourth quarter GDP numbers still on track to meet the 2% uh, long-term trend growth of the U.S. So I think overall, we are going to see a soft landing scenario for the U.S. rather than a hard landing scenario of recession uh, in 2023 and also early 2024. Mm. And a quick one before we let you go, uh, Jeremy. I understand you mentioned earlier that 10-year U.S. Treasury yields slipped to about 4.4% of late. What is then your view for the Fed when it comes to the last FOMC meeting uh, due on the 13th of December? Well, we think that the Fed will continue to guide its hawkish stance to combat inflation, given that PCE is right now still around 3.5%, above the 2% long-term inflation target. But given that, I think the Fed doesn't really have that much more ammunition to raise rates further Mm. for 2023 and, in fact, 2024. In fact, we could even look at uh, earlier than expected cut, even before the mid of 2024. So we think that going forward, the further scope of uh, the 10-year Treasury coming off in 2024 uh, is more likely than not, given that the Fed will start to pivot in terms of its Fed fund rates uh, by the first half as soon as uh, may- maybe in the May 2024 or June 2024. And I think it's worth noting that um, despite that, we shouldn't expect the 10-year to actually fall back to the you know mm. the pre uh, the post GFC levels. Uh, I think there is actually a regime change for higher for longer, mm. given that the sovereign rating downgrades in the US and also the US budget deficit. 
Um, so we think that um, the U.S. 10 years could come in at about 4% uh, um, um, in the coming year. Right. Thanks a lot, Jeremy. That was Jeremy Tan, CEO of Tiger Fund Management. Thank you very much for joining us on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.